All right, here we go. It's Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. I'm Pete Sweeney. If you've missed any of the podcasts or some of the podcasts this week, this is the Arrowhead Pride podcast for you as we give you the best segments from each of our weekday shows. We once again did not have the editor's show this week, so on this podcast, we dipped into the interview series. This week's guest was Bronco's former safety, Nick Ferguson. He currently works for The Fan in Denver, so he's a bit of a Bronco's expert. With the Chiefs being a division rival, we asked him what the potential is for the Broncos this year. It's been a long time since the Broncos beat the Chiefs, so we were wondering, is this the year that they maybe could take one? We continue on with Out of Structure with Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner as they play Would You Rather. You can find that at the 16-minute mark. And then Show and BK had a new segment of their own called Certified or Imposter. Catch that at the 39-minute mark. But as promised, here's the conversation between me and Nick Ferguson. Is Denver ready to get back into the mix? It's Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. Fans have a, a bit of mutual respect. You can tell there's a little bit of hate between Denver and Kansas City fans, but I think there's a mutual respect for just the enthusiasm of both franchises. And, and Arrowhead Stadium had 22% capacity last year. Now you get 100% back, we think, if everything goes to plan. So that environment should be rocking. I want to get into the Denver Broncos because you are a current expert on this. You do radio in Denver. You have a pulse of the fan base. I think the biggest story heading into the season when it comes to Denver is, of course, the quarterback situation where you have Drew Locke, the returner. Teddy Bridgewater enters the mix. Aaron Rodgers, still a question mark. We don't know if that could come into play late here. What do you make of the quarterback situation entering the 2021 season? Well, first and foremost, everyone is uh, definitely excited about the Aaron Rodgers talk. Whether it would come to fruition or not, we, we don't really know. Right. So we only have to deal with the quarterbacks that we have in Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So there's this idea that there's going to be this quarterback competition, somewhat of 50-50 reps. But I know this as a player and as a coach in the NFL. Nothing is ever 50-50. There's always one guy that seems to have somewhat of a head start over the other guy. And, and looking at Drew Locke, who, you know, he's a Kansas City, you know, guy, went to Missouri. You know, he hasn't really played that well. Now, playing against the Chiefs, I think it was last year, and yeah. uh, Arrowhead gave the fans somewhat of an idea, like, hey, maybe Drew Locke might be the guy because the score wasn't, you know, one of those large lopsided, you know, uh, losses for the Broncos. The game was somewhat close. And for me, I try to tell our fans, hey, listen, I, I like what Drew Locke brings to the table as far as his arm. But there's a lot of things that he's still inconsistent about. And don't look at that Chiefs game and saying, okay, well, we, we are that much closer to the Chiefs with Drew Locke. Because what I saw was a lot of mistakes in that game by the Chiefs. There was one touchdown that Tyreek Hill caught, but no one knew it was a touchdown. They didn't, didn't challenge it. It was unreal. I, I think we all go back to that moment and we're like, how can we as fans see this? But I think the problem in that situation was Tyree Kill didn't even realize he caught that football. No, he, he didn't because it just kind of fell off of AJ Boyer's yeah. back. And he just thought, okay, well, maybe it was an incomplete pass. <laughs> maybe it touched the ground. But he didn't know until he looked up at the Jumbotron and realized that was an actual reception. But in that game, I just saw a lot of issues that the Kansas City Chiefs offense was having, but it wasn't like Drew Locke was that impressive to give me an idea that, one, he should win the starting job or the Broncos are really close from that quarterback position if he's a starter. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, 
I go back last year. There was a game. I can't remember which week it was. I don't know if it was week four, week eight, but the Chiefs and the Carolina Panthers faced off. And the Chiefs won that game maybe 32-30. And in that game, to me, it was a real close game. And it just showed me the tangibles that Teddy Bridgewater brings to the table. And most people here, and I try to tell my other radio cohorts that, hey, listen, when we look at Teddy Bridgewater, most of you guys look at him and say, well, he just kind of a, a check down Charlie. But I say, well, I want a guy who's going to make quality decisions. When I look at the quarterback that you guys had a couple of years ago in Alex Smith, right. everyone said that he was a game manager. And at first, I, I, I used to not like that term game manager, but I love it now because what that tells me is that guy is going to do everything right. He's not going to try to play outside of himself. And this is where Drew Locke has an issue because when he faces off against a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he feels as though, hey, I'm a Kansas City guy, went to Missouri, so I have to showcase my arm. And what happens with not just Drew, but a quarterback I played with and Jay Cutler, that arm talent that everyone's talked about, it gets them in trouble because they try to force balls into tight situations. And I'm like, dude, you are not Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes has learned the art of improvisation. You have yet to learn how to do that. So play within of yourself, and he still hasn't done that. But I like Teddy Bridgewater to win this quarterback position. Yeah, I I know what you mean, because I think even in the games against the Chiefs, there have been these Drew Locke flashes, but Locke Mm. sometimes makes mistakes and and could cost the Broncos game where you don't really think that Bridgewater is going to necessarily lose you a game. So it'll be interesting to watch from afar how the Broncos go when it comes to that decision. I want to cast a wide net for you here. When you look at this offseason for the Denver Broncos, who is your p- opinion for the greatest offseason addition and maybe the greatest offseason loss for the 2021 season? Well, as far as the uh, addition, it's kind of sort of like not one individual player, yeah. but it's a collective. And I look at the Broncos secondary, adding uh, Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, and then drafting Patrick Sutan, you know, with the first pick in the draft. Because the, the game in the NFL has changed since I played. Now you have guys who are called tight ends, but they're just big wide receivers. And when you look at a lot of teams, and Kansas City being one of those teams, when they roll out their base package, their base package is 11 personnel. That's three wide receivers. And I'll throw Travis Kelsey in there as well. And right. then when you look at the, how they use the running backs, they, they use their running backs not just to hand it off to them, but also in pass coverage. So you have to have enough guys to be able to keep pace with the, the, the likes of Kansas City and some of these other teams. And knowing as though we, we don't have 16 games anymore. We now have 17 games and it's hard to keep any player healthy for 16, let right. alone 17. So you need to have a multitude of different guys and then having so many DBs. This is me thinking from a defensive <laughs> perspective. Now you may be able to do certain things with your defense if you're Vic Fangio to try to match up. And that's what it is. There are no guarantees, but yeah, at least if you have the personnel to roll out there, then you at least say, well, you know what? We have a fighting chance. Yeah, you had mentioned Sertan, and it was an extensive draft for the Denver Broncos. A lot of picks in this draft. Past Sertan, you have Williams, Mernes, Browning, Stearns, the list goes on and on. Any draft picks stand out to you that may make an impact that maybe we're not talking about enough in some other cities? 
Well, you know what? I mean, from a defensive side of the ball, obviously you have to start Devin Patrick Sertan. Right. Looking at his, his size, where he was, where he played his collegiate ball, how well he was coached, his father played in the league. So, you know, he understands ball and he has a high football IQ. The only thing with him is just the fact that now you're making that adjustment from the collegiate level to the NFL level. You do have the talent. We all see that. But getting the product on the field against other elite NFL talent, that's where the learning curve has to come in. You're going to get beat in this league. And, you know, I always tell young guys when they come in, if you're going to get beat and the guy's going to run past you or run by you, if that hasn't happened to you, you hadn't played long enough in the NFL. So it's just like seeing how he adjusts to the, the game speed, to, to seeing certain players, a guy like a Tyreek Hill. What is that like for him? Because you know he's going to make a great catch. Can you rebound and come away from that? Another guy, I go to the offensive side of the ball, Javante Williams. I mean, when you look at uh, the running back position, so many people have devalued that position. But in Kansas City, you know guys know the value of that. Yep. I mean, you had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And then, I mean, you, you guys have had, you know, some other running backs as well. And it's all about being able to not just pound the ball between the tackles, but can my running back catch the ball out of the backfield? Can they pick up a blitzing linebacker? And this is where Javante Williams actually comes in. I like it the way that he has played so far, you know, in the summer camp. I like the way that he ran the ball at North Carolina. That the, the art of punishing tacklers to wear them down. And that's what you need in today's NFL. But it also goes back to durability. So those are the two young players that uh, I'm looking to see how they adjust to the NFL. But I'm looking to see both of those guys make some great plays for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I have a couple more questions down, but this one just popped in because we had talked about offseason additions. And I just mentioned the draft class, which are obvious additions. Everything feeling clean for Von Miller to have a comeback where his health is not going to be a concern. Do you expect Miller to pick up where he left off? Yeah, I, I definitely do. But when it comes to health, that, that's the, the biggest uncertainty in yeah. the NFL. We would like to say that, hey, every guy is going to be healthy. You guys, of course, know, you know, from, you know, the Super Bowl that, you know, you guys had two tackles out. So that's something that you can't really ruin the Super Bowl for everybody, not just Chiefs yes. fans. That was the yeah, worst right. Super Bowl in recent memory. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and but but this is the part of it. And this is how I try to explain. You know, normally it's not just the best team that makes it to the Super Bowl and win. It's the team that's the healthiest. So you guys experienced what that was like to have right. you know your, your your tackles out. So for Vaughn, it's about being healthy. Can I sit here right now and guarantee that he's going to be healthy? No, I wish I could. But the idea is that if he is healthy, then we know exactly what he brings to the table. And in today's NFL, you need two bookend pass rushes. And we, we, we've seen in years past where Vaughn has been healthy, Bradley Chubb hasn't, and Vaughn's numbers have been down. And the same can be said for Bradley Chubb. And as Broncos fans, I mean, we only saw these two players play the first year when Bradley Chubb came in, in, in as, as a rookie. And, I mean, he had, you know, 10-plus sacks. So if we're able somehow, fingers crossed, knock on wood, right. we can keep both of these guys healthy, it definitely gives uh, our team a chance, especially in the division, against your Kansas City Chiefs. Talking injuries, too, Cortland Sutton on the other side, back into the fold. You can tell that there's a mutual respect between him and, and Tyron Matthew. Excited to, to watch that battle again. What's your greatest concern entering the 2021 season for the Denver Broncos? 
Well, you know, my biggest concern is inconsistency. Yeah. Any team can be plagued by inconsistency and it can just kind of derail the, the, the season. And injuries are definitely a part of that, but it's inconsistency. Can, can you be perfect in week one and carry that through for 17 weeks? And we know being, you know, human beings, you know, sometimes people become complacent. They rest on their laurels, start listening to the press clippings and all mm -hmm. that. Hey, that a boy patting on the back. It's like, <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't do that to yourself. The idea is that we're a team that we've missed the playoffs for four consecutive years. We've watched the Kansas City Chiefs make it not to one, but two Super Bowls. So we were used to being in that national conversation, and now we're not. So the idea is for each guy on the roster to now look at themselves and say, well, how can I be better moving into the season? Because we're competing and we're chasing Kansas City. So that's a team that now every team in the NFL is now building their roster to beat. And right. you guys have done a great job this offseason and kind of trying to, you know, rebuild and retool your offensive line. So the guys here, they have to be ready to go and they just have to say, you know what? We have to take it one play at a time. And even those injured players, you know, the idea is testing that injury. You mentioned Cortland Sutton. I don't expect him to come out of the gate strong, but I expect for him to get stronger as the season goes on. So for him and other guys like him, hey, man, let's go out there and let's just try to focus on winning one game, one play at a time, and then we'll worry about the rest later on. NFL fans across the, the league wouldn't necessarily realize this, but it's been an interesting stretch for the Broncos-Chiefs rivalry where you had Peyton Manning and the Broncos beating the Chiefs seemed like every single game, and now – it is completely flipped where the Chiefs have this long streak against the Denver Broncos as far as wins. We know the Broncos know about it because Von Miller is not afraid to talk about it at the, the press conferences. Do you think this version of the Denver Broncos is ready to maybe take one of the two games against the Chiefs? A a absolutely. Because once again, I look at how this game is being played. And it, there's an old saying, and you've heard it, it's defense wins championships. And it's yep. true. Like, like the regular season is for the offense to pad their stats. But when you're talking about making that, that going down that journey, that road to get to the Super Bowl and win, it starts with being able to stop your opponent from scoring. So looking at what the Broncos did in the draft, uh, they didn't really do too much that from, you know, linebacker standpoint, you know, in, in the draft or free agency, but just looking at the secondary, the idea of yeah. having a healthy Bradley Chubb, Von Miller back, it gives you you know, hope and optimism that you can at least take one game away from the Chiefs. You would like to take two. That would be right. fantastic. <laughs> but, 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 but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but being realistic, you look to at least, you know, take one of those games. All right, last question here, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but way too early season prediction for the Denver Broncos. And, and it's weird as NFL people to talk about how you have to curve the record into 17 games now, like nine and eight does not make a lot of sense, but that's possible. Now, where do you think the Broncos are when the season is all said and done? Well, you know what? Uh, once again, it all, it all depends on certain things going the right way. And for me, who becomes a starting quarterback, but I can easily see this being a team with uh, 10, 11, 12 wins. They definitely have the capability because they have structurally put together a great defense. If they're able to build this, that chemistry in training camp and take it into the 17th game season, they should do well because pass coverage and the pass rush actually go 
hand in hand. Yep. If you can't get after the quarterback, it's going to be tough on your guys in the back end. And for the past four years, we've seen what that's looked like. But if they can put it together on the defensive side of the ball, stay healthy, and let's just say there's no Aaron Rodgers, there's Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. He's proven in this league that he can win, looking at what he did with Minnesota, what he did with the Saints. So for me, I'm very optimistic. If it's Teddy Bridgewater, if it's Drew Locke, then I'm like, well, that number actually goes down. But if it's Aaron Rodgers, that number goes up astronomically. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. First from C. Edward Clay Mendes on Twitter. I'm not sure this is a question, Ron, or maybe a scouting report. C. Edward says he tossed the ball around, made some sick catches. He thinks he can play slot in the NFL. He also claims he's drank 3,200 Bud Lights the last couple of years. I don't know whether that's impressive or sad. He's filled out. He's 6'1", 205. Juju Smith-Schuster is the comp. He's got a first-round draft grade from, from Kuiper. I know he's having a little bit of fun with this here, but it just made me think about the comparisons between those of us who have no shot at playing in the NFL and those who actually do. And it made me think through some of these, would you rather type situations? So if you think about yourself, Ron, on an NFL field, would you rather block Chris Jones or try to cover Tyreek Hill? Oh man. Well, I, I, the way I thought about this was which one am I not going to go to the hospital for after, after it happens. And I have a feeling if I tried to get in front of Chris Jones, something's bro- something's breaking, right? Something, something's sending me to the hospital covering Tyreek, I guess, you know, maybe the ankles get broken in that case, but uh, at least my, you know, my dignity might get broken in half by trying to cover Tyreek, but at least, at least I'll still be alive. I still won't be all bruised up and uh, you know, put in the hospital. So I said cover Tyreek. You know, I played a little corner back in my day. So, you know, I could, I could, I could see how it ask, What's your, what's your position? What's your scouting report, Ron? Well, I was a quarterback in high school, so I didn't actually play much defense uh, in my senior year, but I was, I was playing some cornerback. I'm five, nine too. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not probably doing very well against Jones and uh, I got the, the height advantage, maybe, uh, you know, it's a little, I'm a little maybe taller than Tyreek, hopefully, maybe, I don't know. He's probably about the same height as me so <laughs> that's pretty close <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with, i'm gonna go with covering tyreek i think i think i could uh you know if, if it's not a deep ball where he's running 50 yards downfield and there's some sort of shorter route you know maybe maybe i can stick with him we'll see so i always like to joke that i've got the size 
of a big wide receiver. So I'm like 6'3", you know, 225. But I've got the, the speed of a slow offensive lineman. So it's, it's a really good combination. Um, so in this situation, I think I would be maybe less of a liability trying to block Chris Jones. I know that's a ridiculous statement, but there's, I'd have no chance at running with Tyreek, and it would be embarrassing. And if you think about the way NFL contracts work, if you're completely useless on the field, uh, you get cut right away. There's no money for you on the table, right? If I'm trying to block Chris Jones and he injures me badly, then I get to go on IR and collect a check or at least an injury settlement. So I think financially it would do me a little bit better to try to block Chris Jones. Even if I end up in the hospital, uh, at least it'll be a little bit less embarrassing and a little bit more profitable for me. Wow. I like the logic, actually. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think, I think, I think you have a good point there. No, I think, I think you made a good point. Cause uh, you know, you're, you're, your weight will probably hold up a little better than mine. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, being five nine, I'm, I'm under two hundred pounds, so doesn't, uh, doesn't exactly hold up as well as a, you know, two twenty five. You know, you got a little more mass on you to, to <laughs> all the Jones three hundred pounds. I don't know. I, I wouldn't call it good weight either. So that's, a, that's a totally different thing. But uh, well, Rod, I, I sacked up a whole bunch of these would you rather's for this week. I want to see how ridiculous some of these are, but. Uh, I'm going to put you in some tough situations and see if we got some answers for us. Uh, would you rather see Travis Kelsey get traded or Tyron Matthew not re-sign with the team? Yeah, this one's tough. I went with Tyron not getting a new deal because I think Travis Kelsey is way too important to this offense right now. If he was off the team, all of a sudden – this receiving core is, is not as impressive as, as we like to make it seem when we have Kelsey and Hill at the top. No matter what you have behind them, it's an impressive receiving core. But if you just have a Hill, man, you know, that, that, that leaves a lot to be desired. I know we have Noah Gray coming in. People are excited about him to, to use that Kelsey role and, and may not be, you know, may not be as step, much of a step down in terms of being a receiver. But obviously, Kelsey is a Hall of Famer eventually, you know, a, a multiple-time All-Pro if we if Matthew doesn't get a deal done, at least we have Juan Thornhill coming in the mix. At least we have some good young DBs. Jarius Sneed's showing up as a slot defender, which we know Matthew has covered at times before. So it would suck to not see Tyron Matthew uh, in Kansas City you know, any longer. But at the same time, Kelsey's way too valuable to this team. I gotta go. I gotta go. Kelsey staying. Yeah, I don't care what the return is on that trade. That the Chiefs lose that deal if if Kelsey gets traded. And and you're right the state of this group of, of pass catchers really depends on Kelsey. He's the, the probably the most irreplaceable on the player on the team, not named Patrick Mahomes. So I, I don't think, I don't think you can replace Kelsey. I don't think you, I don't think any trade return there is going to feel good to chiefs fans short-term or long-term. It'll be Tony Gonzalez in Atlanta, uh, you know, but worse because he's even, he's even more irreplaceable and on a team, like this one that's ready to compete, that return is not going to help them win another Super Bowl. So maybe that one's a little easier. Here's maybe a tougher one. I'm going to start this caveat by saying you have to choose one of these two. You can't say neither. None of the above is not an option, all right? You have to do either extend Anthony Hitchens' contract or Ben Neiman's. Which one are you extending? Man, well, while this is tough, I mean, at the same time, I can't in my right mind extend Neiman any further than he can be. So I have to say Hitchens, 
you know, I, with the way you carve it out in your mind, maybe is you're saying, Hey, you know, now that we have gay and Bolton, maybe they can just be the situational linebackers, the will and the Sam and, and then dime they're both on the field or, you know, one of them's on the field and, and Hitchens is just this Mike that's in the base and the run heavy uh, nickel formations as well. And Hey, he's not bad at those things. You know, he's, he's a really smart, intelligent Mike linebacker, which, which spags is valued. He's expressed his value for it. So, you know, you get Hitchens, he's still a veteran. He's still a guy that commands this defense can still come up and, and fill a hole. Maybe not as well as we'd like him to, or maybe not as well as Bolton or, or uh, gay would be able to, but if you got to choose between these two, you know, keep the veteran on the team, keep the guy that is, you know, a, a value to this team. Neiman, I just, I can't justify making him uh, having his contract any longer than it is already. I added this question just for you based on your comments last week, I think on, on Ben Neiman, but part of your point on Neiman was that you thought he was blocking some of the younger players development a little bit. You can make that same argument for Hitchens. As long as Hitchens is around, Bolton can't be the Mike, and eventually Bolton needs to be the Mike. I mean, you drafted him for that purpose. You drafted him early, you know, and and so I would almost prefer to keep Neiman around because you know that he's a great special teams player and he's a role player on defense and he's not going to get in the way of Bolton or Gay in their development. You know, I'd still I'm not sure how you'd line up the in the base defense, the three starting linebackers, if you didn't have Hitchens, but I think they could figure it out um, if they had to. And, and, but Neiman, I think, uh, I think getting Hitchens out of the way and having Neiman on the team maybe helps the development of some of the younger guys a little bit more than the other way around, but. Yeah, no, that's fair. Actually, that, that's fair. And and you did, you do bring up a good point. Who's the better depth piece, you know, I mean, Hitchens on the bench isn't very valuable, but, and you got to think about, you know, extending him how much money, you know, would cost for each of them. So Neiman as a depth piece, maybe it's a cheap extension. And he, he is the guy that, you know, backing up gay and Bolton, you know, he knows the defense. He, he's a guy that's played in it for a while. So yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe having someone that that does fit as a depth piece more than a starter, you know, Hitchens as a starter, he has to be on the field. You're not re-signing him, and then and like you said with the special teams prowess too. So and this is the contract uh, too. You know, you think about the, you know, Neiman's contract is not going to prevent the Chiefs from signing other free agents or 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 extending somebody else's contract. Hitchens might. I mean, he's he's got a substantial salary, and he's not going to take a big pay cut. So yeah, all right, that's it. That's interesting. Let's go back to putting you in the shoes of an NFL player and uh, uh, talking about getting physically dominated. Which would you rather? Would you rather get hit by Bolton at at full speed or get blocked to the turf by Orlando Brown Jr.? Oh, man, to the turf? Oh, I was I, I I was hoping I'd be able to get a get you know maybe just run away after initial <laughs> contact or something just to back up in coverage. Uh, no, I'd have to say get blocked by Brown because man, oh man, I couldn't imagine getting full speed hit by an NFL linebacker. I'm sure that just oh if you're not prepared for it, if you're not, you know, <laughs> give me a year of like intense training and maybe I can take one. But if you're talking right now, oh man, that would hurt so bad. Getting blocked, you know, at least you kind of can control. Well, no, I, 
Now, either way, if you're saying he's putting you into the turf, that's going to hurt too. And, and that 300 pounds probably laying on you, you know, afterwards, uh, you know, finishing the job. Man, that is tough. But I'm going to get say get blocked by Brown because, you know, I'll, I'll put a little swim move on him and, uh, you know, stay up. I, I, <laughs> I'm not putting a juke move on Nick Bolton. Heck no. That is not happening. He's I'm not quick enough for that. He's getting me. Nick Bolton is a guy that likes to hit and and he and he throws everything he's got into some of those hits from college. You saw him saw that on tape. So he's getting his money's worth if if he's got some some chump lining up out there to take a hit from him. He's not going to take it easy on you. Uh he's going to get a running start and uh, and and that's going to be ugly. So I think I'd have to agree. Um but you're right. Really the the thing that tips the scales, uh, pun intended, is whether or not Brown lands on you after the block, like yeah, <laughs> him pushing you to the turf, fine, whatever, you get back up. Him pancaking you and laying on top of you, that that uh, that might be a different story. Yeah, he's a big dude. He is a very <laughs> big dude. So I, I don't know about that, but uh, I, I, I think we, I think we're smart on that. I think we saved our some some hospital bills uh, doing the other one, so or getting blocked by Brown. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing some of these guys at camp. This offensive line is going to be. Is going to have a different look to it, uh, starting with Brown and just the the size, you know, of some of these guys. Some sometimes you you know like when you see Eric Fisher, especially without pads on, he's a lean guy. He looks like he's in shape. He's tall, but like there's no gut. He's not you know like he's that's a different look. When you see Orlando Brown Jr., you're like that. That is a massive human being. Uh, he just looks he just looks like an old school offensive lineman, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. No, you're right. I've always thought that about Fisher. It's, you know, it, it, I've always found it kind of thought he looks small for an NFL offensive lineman. And then you realize he's like six, seven, whatever, you know, 300, whatever. And you're like, oh, he's just really fit for an offensive lineman, fitter than some of the other guys. Yeah, but you're right. Chiefs are trying to get beefier. And some of those beefier guys, I love using that word for some reason, beefy. I, I, I just continue <laughs> to use it. But uh, it ties into our next would you rather that you that you thought up for us. And I think this is a good one, too. Would you rather start three rookies, so center Creed Humphrey, right guard Trey Smith, right tackle Lucas Niang, or three veterans, right, uh, center Austin Blythe, right guard LDT, right tackle Aust- or Mike Remmers? So would you rather have three rookies or three vets? This is a tough one, I think, because I think ideally everyone wants a mix. You know, you don't want all three of one, all three of the other, but if we have to choose between them, Stags, they'll start with you. So this one's – Actually, I think one of the easier ones on the list for me because I think all else equal, you go with the three rookies. You want your young players to get on the field, have a chance to develop. If they win those jobs over the veterans, you know it's because they're just dominating in practice. Like Andy Reid is not going to hand three offensive line jobs to rookies without them absolutely earning it. And so if that were to happen, I think that's best case scenario. You know, the three veterans listed here, especially Blythe has been completely invisible so far in the offseason program. Um, LDT just coming back, just getting back in the swing of things. Uh, And Mike Remmers, who, you know, is a great all-around utility guy. But I would love to see him in that position rather than as a starter. So for me, it's a no-brainer. Give me the three rookies all day long and let's let's grow with them uh, in these roles. And again, I think it's just a great sign if they happen to win those jobs. Yeah, I'm with you. I picked three rookies as well. I think about it, and it's kind of in the same vein you were talking about, but 
we just got to understand that. I know as, as fans, we, we want to win right now. We want to get another Super Bowl right now. But this really is a long-term thing. We, we are in a long-term – we are just at the beginning of this long-term dynasty, hopefully, that we're building here. And, you know, in five, four or five years, Mahomes is still going to be, you know, at his prime and everything. We need these linemen to, to be ready to be in their primes as well. And I think the quicker, the better they get on the field, the quicker they can, you know, progress into the starters they need to be. So, yeah, if that's the case, I'd rather get my lumps in now with these rookies. I'd rather, hey, if they, if they have some struggles in their first year, at least they're getting that experience. So in year two, year three, year four, they're really good starters because they got that experience their rookie year. Three vets, I mean, and, you know, it's one thing if these vets were a little more talented, but, I mean, I know. I, are any of these guys super exciting? I mean, I, you know, Blythe has been a starter in this league. I actually, you know, I'll, I'll plug my top 20 piece on Arrowhead Pride. I actually had LDT as my 18th most important player on two, in 2021, which was the only guy I was kind of iffy on even putting on the list. But the more I think about it, experienced guard, veteran guard, last time we saw him in that Super Bowl run, he was playing really well. I, I, I think we should point that out. I know in the Super Bowl, he didn't have the greatest game, but that Super Bowl run, he was playing pretty well. So I think LDT get, needs a little more respect than, than I've been putting on his name maybe this offseason and some others. But when you're talking about this question as a whole, three rookies or three vets, give the rookies their playing time now, let them get them going. And then so for in the future, they can get uh, to starter level quicker. I can't believe you used the dynasty word. I thought we stopped doing that after that first Super Bowl. When everybody, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think a lot of people felt like that was a little bit of a jinx coming into last year, talking about the dynasty. Well, I, maybe it's a prediction then because, come on, guys, we'll, we'll be winning a few more Super Bowls in the near future, and, and we'll be saying that word again quite a bit. So it's coming. It is. Super Bowls are the new normal. you got to expect it. And normally that would mean you go with your veterans because, they're like you said, it's a ready-made team. It's a – experienced team it's a it's a it's a competitive team right now you don't want to take your lumps or growing pains but they also have two you know all pro pro bowl types on the left side of the line uh, so it's not like their entire offensive line is going to be uh, is going to be questionable and again i think i think it, the statement that it would make for those three guys those three young guys to start is that they're already better than Blythe, L.E.T., Remmers, Wiley, Allegretti, a whole bunch of other guys, right? They've won a competition over a bunch of, of players. And, again, I think that's a, that's a great sign, short-term and long-term. Yeah, I, I, you'd hope that – and ideally, like I kind of said at the beginning, you know, you, you kind of want to mix. You don't want maybe all three of those positions being rookies because they are one, two, three right next to each other. You're not kind of mixed in between veterans or anything. Humphrey gets the benefit of having Tooney to his left. But at the same time, you know, that that one side being Brown and Tooney, you know, that already gives you such a solid foundation. Having that side, knowing that that side is going to be set, you know, it does give you a little more wiggle room to, to put rookies out there on the right side. Well, maybe a more fun would you rather hear. Would you rather see Clyde Edwards-Alaire get 2,000 total yards or would you rather see Patrick Mahomes throw for 6,000? Oh, man, this is easy for me. I mean, I know it'd be cool to see Clyde go off like that, but let's just get let's just get this GOAT conversation going even stronger. Let's just have Mahomes just blow out all the records. Let's, let, I, I love – I just – you know, I never get tired of all the Mahomes love, uh, you know, from the natural media, and I'm sure everyone else does, you know, if you're not a Chiefs fan. But 
I never get tired of people fawning and drooling over how good Mahomes is. And it would be, it would be uh, incredible, you know, the, the amount of reception he'd get if he threw for 6,000 yards. I know we have an extra game this year, but, you know, that, that'd still be a record. You know, I, I don't – math is, is something that I can't do right now. I mean, I could if I wanted to, but I don't know how much that is per game, I should say. But that would be a lot, and if, especially if there might be a, a rest game in there. So if he does get for 6,000, it would just be incredible and insane. You know, he'd have a lot of touchdowns, I'm sure, too. I'd love all the fanfare that came with that. So I'm, I'm definitely for 6,000 yards. So 6,000 yards in a 17-game season is 353 yards per game, basically. Um, so not that out of reach for Mahomes. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. But that also assumes there's no buy or there's no – sorry, there's no rest, like you yeah. said, in, in week 18 this year. It's going to be weird to say. Right. Yeah, no, but I I do think 350 a game when you think about, you know, there's going to be some games I'm sure where he goes over 400 and there's going to be games where I don't think he's hit 500, but he's gotten close. And, you know, depending on the game, if if, if the, the problem is, you know, unlike 2018, the defense is actually pretty good this year. So, it, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to exactly, the defense isn't going to give up these 30, 40 point games where the offense has to go off. So that's the one problem that's probably going to prevent him from doing it. Yeah, and just for the record, 6,000 over 16 games is 375 per game. So it's a lot. Um, I think I'm going to choose Clyde Edwards-Hilaire here, not surprisingly to those of you who have listened to us in the past. But the reason, I think, is because of what it says about the offense. What does it say about this offense if Mahomes is thrown for 6,000 yards? It says that they're either blowing everybody out every week and keeping their foot on the gas, which the second half of that is less likely than the first half. Um, or they're playing from behind, they're in shootouts every week, and they're they're having to pass for a lot of yards. I'm going to lean towards a balanced offense because I think having Clyde Edwards there as a 2,000-yard, you know, combined yard, so it doesn't have to be rushing, obviously, but, but combined rushing and receiving, to me says this offense is more balanced. It says that they got out to a lead, and Edwards Hilaire helped helped close it out. It says that that they didn't lean a hundred percent on Mahomes the entire year to carry them. Um, so, I think this team would win more games with Clyde going over two thousand yards than they would with Mahomes throwing for six thousand. Is that a ridiculous statement? No, no, and I actually think it's more likely that Clyde gets 2,000 total yards because of what you said. I think the offense will be more balanced. I think the offensive line will help the team be able to run more effectively, especially if they are up later in games. They're going to really turn stuff out. You know, last year, that I think that was one problem is, you know, even when they're up in games, they weren't able to just consistently run the ball for effectively. You know, they still kind of had to throw because the offensive line just wasn't holding up as well. I think this year that won't be a problem. Uh, these guys are, are guys that are going to wear a defensive line out and, and really at the end of the game, really pounding. And Clyde's a guy that's going to really finish it off too. So, yeah, but, I, I'd say, I'd, I'd say you're, you're, I would rather maybe if I'm the team, I'd rather see Clyde get 2000 total yards because of what you said, but as a fan, it, it'd just be crazy if Mahomes got six out. It would just be hilarious to see, you know, the, the fanfare and, and everyone getting mad about how good he is yeah the the fireworks that would come from a six thousand yard season with Mahomes would be fun to watch that that's 
there's a no doubter there. And I agree with the legacy and the kind of shutting up the, the, you know, ending the conversation about who the best quarterback in the league is. Um, I would definitely like to see Mahomes have another big year to shut, you know, to shut up any critics or to, to end that conversation because it is fun to see him winning MVPs and, and to see him on the list and see him secure his hall of fame ballot you know, in his fourth season in the NFL, which is absurd to say. And I will say one of my favorite games over the last few years was that 2018 Rams game. I mean, that was, that was one of the most fun games I've ever seen. It was just outlandish the way that they were lighting up the scoreboard. Uh, So yeah, maybe Mahomes throwing for 6,000 would be a a pretty fun fan season. Um, You just have to wonder what that means for, for the rest of the team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, BK inserted. All right, I want to do the game. It's a brand new game. It is sweeping the nation right now, and I'm going to do it every week right here on Arrowhead Pride Presents Show and BK on the Chiefs. I'm going to do it every week. The game that's sweeping the nation, everybody can play it. It's called Certified or Imposter. I don't know why I have to say it like that, but I'm saying it that way. Certified or Imposter. I'm going to pick a player. I'm going to pick a player for the Chiefs, and I want to figure out if this guy is the real deal. Is he certified, or is he an imposter and a real player? Will you say it a few more times in different ways? Certified and imposter. Is that that, that, that makes you feel better. That was the worst one. I'm not going to use that one. That was the worst one. You're not going to use that one. All right, here's here's the first player on the first ever game that's sweeping the nation, certified imposter. Legereus Sneed. Legereus Sneed, I'll step in because they are trying to make him a number one corner. I would have to say right now he's an imposter. Oh my god. I I I let's right now. I I like his skills. I think he's got a chance to be a a starting a starting caliber consistent corner hey maybe even an outside shot at a pro bowl down the line we'll see how it goes but right now on a championship level team right now and i know that's different because patrick mahomes kind of makes it easier for you to be a championship level team on defense as we've seen him win a championship with Rashad breeland and Traverius ward playing corner and rashad fenton as your third but legerious need to me right now because they're asking him to try to be their lead corner I'm going to say he is an imposter. But I'm right. But before BK most undoubtedly disagrees with that, can I clarify something here? Is it certified or imposter? Because you called him a certified imposter at the beginning, as Did if I? he's worse than a regular imposter. No, no, no. no, no. He's a certified, certified imposter. Certified or he's imposter. Like. Patrick Mahomes is certified. He's not an imposter. We don't ever have to do him. 
So he's just a regular imposter. He's, he's not also like a certified imposter. Justin Herbert would definitely be certified. Okay. Yes. I'll give him certified, but yes. I'm going Sneed is an imposter right now because they're trying to make him a number one corner. And that that I I don't I think that's a little too much on him. All right. Well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've heard today. Um that's he's he's clearly certified. Uh you clearly yes. In fact, so much so that he might be your second best pass rusher early in the season. Like forget being a stud corner. He had last year in nine regular season games and three playoff games. He finished those with four sacks. He had five quarterback hits, uh, three interceptions. He had multiple tackles for the dude was behind the line of scrimmage at all times on top of clearly being their best corner and being such a good corner that if he played all 16 games, I think you could have made a case that he was on the verge of potentially making a Pro Bowl. If this team has a first-time Pro Bowler next year, it would not surprise me to see Legereus Sneed in that role. He's so good that the question is not, is he your number one corner? The question is, where is he more valuable? Is he better to use in the slot, or is he better to use outside? And that's what determines who else enters the lineup for the Chiefs. now. If you've got questions about their other corners, I'm not here to argue with you about that. I've got questions about Charvarius Ward. I have no idea who the number three cornerback on the team is right now behind them. I'm guessing it's DeAndre Baker, but if they decide to put Legereus Sneed outside, maybe it is Rashad Fenton. I think that's a totally valid question, and if you ask me on any of those dudes, as of today, they're all imposters as being number two corners. But Legereus Sneed, I think, is certified not only as being a good player, but as being a legit number one corner in the NFL, much less for the Chiefs. Right now, right, right now, now, he's a you feel you two feel legit. Every game one. that he was on the field for the Chiefs last year, I felt confident he was going to lock down his side of the field. Every single game that he was in there, and every yeah, game I'm that not. he was not out there, I did not have that same confidence in whoever the Chiefs corner that was filling in. Oh, I'm not there yet. Not locked down. Oh hell no. I I like. To as me, close I'm, to being a lockdown cornerback as you can be in 2021, because those guys don't really exist anymore. Yeah, like to me, I'm thinking to myself, like, do I feel like, all right, man, I can leave him over there with Keenan Allen, and I feel pretty good about that matchup. I'm just looking at guys in the division, and I, like, and I'm like, whoo, I don't I, like, I'm not there yet. I, I love, like I said, I love the the skill set. Right? If we're talking about an NFL corner, I would not say imposter. I'm saying that in regards to trying to like putting the pressure on this kid that, all right, this is going to be our top guy. We don't feel like we need to make a move at corner because especially, or at least a better corner because Snead is a number one level corner. Now, would I be surprised off my ass if he did, if he made the pro bowl kind of, I mean, the pro bowl is a deal where like first time guys, like you guys tough. Unless unless you get eight or nine interceptions or something, you gotta like you Which gotta he might. That. He could. Like, I mean, the last one we we've seen that Marcus Peters got like eight or nine interceptions as a rookie and made uh and made the Pro Bowl, second team all pro. But I, I I don't know if I'm there with him yet. I don't know that I feel just straight up comfortable with all right, this is a cause when I think of number one corner BK and Serta, I think this is a guy 
that I don't have to all the time feel like I got to have help with with the other team's best receiver. Like I don't feel like I got to have somebody. There are some portions of the game where I can just leave him by himself with who he's covering and not give help. I don't feel that way with him, and I feel like there's kind of pressure being put there on him to be the number one corner. And I hope you all are right. I don't, I, I, like I said, I love his skill set and the things that he could do, and you could see real potential. I just don't know if he's ready in that spot yet, right now. So I, I guess the way that I would respond is like, is he Tredavious White of the Buffalo Bills? No. Is he Jalen Ramsey? Is he Jair Alexander? No. Those dudes are like legit top of the line, blue chip talents outside corners, right? Is he, is he Marcus Peters? He's different than Marcus Peters. I think he's a better cover guy. And don't 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 misinterpret what I'm saying here. I think no, I he, get it. Marcus is a as a playmaker that turns the ball over and sometimes yeah, doesn't. Yeah. I feel more confident that a greater percentage of the time you will see Legarius need in good coverage on the guy that he is defending than I did with Marcus Peters. Now, Marcus Peters was a very specific skill set that I don't think anybody else in the league has. And I loved Marcus Peters. They're just so different. It's hard to compare the two. But something that is super valuable about the way that Legereus Sneed plays, he played safety and corner in college. So he has the ability to play deep. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. And I know sometimes people hear the idea of a slot corner and they're like, oh, well, that's less valuable than outside. In today's game, it's not. If you look up where Travis, or not Travis Kelsey, although he does, where Tyree Kill lines up the majority of the time, it's in the slot. Teams want to get their best players, their best playmakers into the slot so that way they can utilize those matchups because a lot of these guys that we mentioned are outside corner. James Bradbury for the Giants. He's playing outside all day long. Jalen Ramsey is mostly going to play outside. Legereus Sneed is not that way. If you've got a matchup where, like you said, you've got somebody that's coming into KC and they play a majority of the time in the slot, you can just put Legereus Need in the slot that game, kind of like what we're talking about with Chris Like for you, for like you, week one, when Odell Beckham comes into town, you feel pretty good about – I'm not saying no one's – it's hard to find shutdown guys, but you feel pretty good about him following Odell Beckham around. Like you – Odell or Jarvis, whoever you prefer. I think I might put him on Jarvis just because I think he's going to get more of the targets. But yeah, yeah. See, I, 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 I'm not like I'm not at that point yet. Well, and the reason I also believe that he is certified, and I don't know if he's a legitimate lockdown corner just yet in the NFL. But similar to a guy you guys already brought up, Marcus Peters, I think that Legere Sneed is just a playmaker. Like I, I, Mar- He's not the same kind of playmaker that Marcus Peters is because Marcus Peters is out here playing corner like he's Ed Reed or something. Like He's just going for picks all the time, and he's just going for the turnovers and the flash plays and stuff like that. I think Legereus Sneed is a guy who can be a potential lockdown guy, but he's incredible at blitzing like we saw him have a huge huge impact there where you don't generally see corners in the modern day nfl have a huge impact as a blitzer on a regular basis and they continue to have him do that and like bk mentioned he can move in the slot he can go outside 
playing in the slot in the modern day NFL is more difficult, in my opinion, than playing outside. Agreed. Because you have, when you're on the outside as an outside corner, and the reason Bradbury and guys like that are so incredible at it, you can use the sideline as an extra man, basically, to kind of box out your wide receiver. In the slot, you have to play all directions of the field. I think it's a much more difficult position to play in the modern day NFL. And Legereus Sneed proved that he could do that exceptionally well last year, too. Like, there's no reason to believe that he can't be a one of the you know five best players on this roster, in my opinion. Like in, in the early going of next season, five best players on the yes. roster. Yeah, I think we got out of our out ahead of our skis a little bit there. Five best players. No, yes. no, 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 BK, we're we're gonna pull the car over. I want you to start. I want you to start naming who who Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Tyron Matthew. Chris Jones. Okay, maybe seven. Maybe seven best players. What about Zeus? You got you got him you got him floating over. I said Zeus Kelsey, well. did I? No, I said Zeus. I'm talking about Orlando Brown, the left tackle. You got well, him. I call Kelsey Zeus too. Uh, I, I said Zeus seven. Is, his <laughs> is it his daddy? I've been calling Pretty that sure. man Zeus Brown. I thought that's what they called him. Uh, maybe they call him that too. I don't know. Yeah, that I might be his Twitter on. handle. I don't. You're I don't just, remember what it is. My God, man! I well, you just. Let I was go. I was going, and, and I just said it. But yeah, like seven, eight, seven, eight, perfectly fine with that. Wow. Okay. All right. He plays. He definitely plays an important. Like right now, you know how hard I am on Frank Clark. Like I, like I, I can't put him over Frank right now. Like I don't feel comfortable doing that. Oh, he he was better last year than Frank Clark was. He, he was a better football player last year for the Chiefs than Frank Clark. I, I wouldn't – yeah, Frank was was not great. I'm just saying as we start this Frank year – Frank only had four more sacks last year than Legereus Sneed. As we start – impressive. As we start this year, though, I'm just saying for me, like when I talk about history and everything that's occurred, I, I, I'm not sure that I would jump him over that yet. I I don't know, man. I, I, I hope that I am wrong, but, but in terms of number one – corner until i see other evidence for me right now thinking about a guy following somebody a guy that's going to take that assignment every week to to find it's against odell against uh uh, uh keenan allen against i don't know who denver has but against against Corlin all these teams. they got some good receivers jerry judy jerry judy kj oh, hamler noah fan offense right. is loaded it's not um but uh but <laughs> They're but scared. no, I, I think I think I, I'm just not ready to go there yet with him. So I mean, we'll 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 see. Hopefully, I am wrong. Hopefully, by week four or five this season, we're sitting there looking at, hey, show you was dead ass wrong about Snead. Dead so, ass wrong. Here's my question as a follow up to this: like, I I'm really high on Legereus Snead so much so that I like, as we're thinking about this right now, is there another corner other than Marcus Peters that you would take in the last? Five ten years from the Chiefs that are better than Legereus Sneed? Am I well, am I, I missing mean, somebody? I mean, I don't. I mean, they have struggled at that position. If we're counting Tyron as a corner in this scenario, then yes. But no, I no, I wouldn't take him over Tyron. Uh, I mean, I would take Tyron at corner over him. No, I mean, this is. I mean, we're looking at the Terrence Mitchells. That may be the next guy. I mean, it, I mean, Brandon they, Carr was kind of had a little bit of time there. Brandon Flowers. Um, so I was going to say James Hasty. I mean, that was that was more no, than that was twenty years back, ago, like twenty years now. But I mean, they, I mean, but that's I think he's probably their second best corner of the last decade. I mean that, and I feel pretty confident saying that now. I mean, that's 
it's pretty impressive. It's not. I mean, the the Chiefs cornerback position has been absolutely pathetic. I mean, they, I mean, they, they, I mean, I mean, I guess you could say it, impressive. I mean, just start, start. But they've had some it. good defenses. Try it. Try it. Name some corners. I, I just gave in you the last two. in the last ten years. Is that does Brandon Carr even fit in the last ten years? Barely. <laughs> I'm, right sh- on I'm shocked that he fits in there. I'm gonna say that, that that's been a minute. Like they. Who who were they rolling? Terrence Mitchell was on the other side. What the hell uh, else were they rolling out at corner? Uh, Steven Nelson. Oh, come on. Hansy Steve. Uh, uh, remember my favorite, uh, Lando? Dude, who Sean was Smith. Uh, Sean Smith was good. Yes, Sean Smith. That's who I was Sean thinking. Smith was legitimately what good. was his name? You yeah, know he what? was. Actually, he was good for them. He was solid. That's for a, a good comp. Time. That's a good comp for how I feel about Legereus Sneed. I feel about Legereus Sneed how I felt in his prime about um, Sean Smith. And I always felt Sean Smith was a two. Like I, 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 I felt I, like he played up to a one with the Chiefs. Yeah, mm-hmm. he had his. I think he had the best years of his career with the Chiefs, and yeah. that was when those were those Bob Sutton defenses that were like actually decent and were were actually competitive every year instead of getting exploited by NFL offenses. Yeah, I, I think he did play his best years. It still wasn't a, a, a one. I felt like he was a strong two, and that's that's just where I feel like the kid is, the kid is right now. I feel I, like we're talking about you know in baseball how we talk about number one pitchers versus aces. Yeah, I feel like you're looking for aces. I'm talking about a strong number one starter. Like that. That's what I, I view these guys as. Are they aces? No. That's where you're getting into your Jalen Ramseys and um, the the top end talent. These guys, I think, are legit number one starters on a good team. Yeah, um, like if we're talking about like that, I, I think he's a two starter. Like he's a number two starter where eater? I am right now. Yeah, I, I is, think he, is I, Kyle Gibson that has potential. No, he's better than Kyle Gibson. I just think he's somebody who's got all star Kyle Gibson and Mizzou made, huh. sir. But if he's you know if he's a number two, a guy that you're not going to look at as a number one headed into the year, then he's Bashad Breeland, and Bashad Breeland was perfectly fine for your secondary because that's what Bashad Breeland is viewed as in the NFL. I'll give you that. I, I, I'll i give you that, but still with Bashad Breeland, like, I mean, he was a guy that you didn't just leave alone on folks. Like, you didn't just say, all right, man, Bashad's got Hopkins. Let's just do it. Or I feel Brashad's good about Breeland in 2019. Last year, I felt like he took a little bit of a step back for the Chiefs. But I thought in 2019, like when you look back at that highlight reel of some of their biggest defensive plays in that season, a vast majority of them involved Bashad Breeland. So I, I, I'm just I'm higher on there. I also, once again, kind of to our, our initial topic here tonight, Ron, I feel better about their coaching staff. Like I just I trust their coaches to get the most out of their corners, maybe more so than any other spot on this roster, because They've been so depleted at that position for so long that the fact that they've even been able to get competent cornerback play over the last few years is nothing short of remarkable. 